0: Thanks for downloading show 134 of the C-Suite podcast, the second episode to be produced in partnership with Globalization Partners, where the topic of discussion this time is the critical role of employee experience in the remote working world. My name is Russell Goldsmith and joining me online to share their experiences in this area. I'm thrilled to welcome firstly from Göttingen in Germany, Caroline Goebel, who has a co-leadership role as head of global people and organizational development at Ottobock. Then in the UK is Catherine Allwood, Head of People at the Huck Group. And then finally in Boston in the US is Emily Boynton, Vice President, People Resources at Globalization Partners. Now we've timed the recording of this episode to coincide with the release of Globalization Partners 2021 Global Employee Survey. This was actually the third time they've produced this report. And so we're going to be working our way through some of its findings and see how the responses from the 1,250 employees in companies of 250 plus people from 15 countries across the world that Globalisation Partners surveyed in June this year, how those findings compare to what our guests understand about their employees at their respective companies. So, Emily, it probably makes sense to start with you. Do you want to give us a quick introduction to your company and then just explain why you put this report together and also what the main headline find? Were. Absolutely. So thank you, Russ.
1: Fundamentally, globalization partners technology enables companies to easily overcome the barriers to building a global remote team internationally. And we do this in a really interesting way. We have an amazing platform that simplifies and automates the foundational HR employee experience across all of the foundational HR items, entity for access, payroll, time and expense management, benefits data reporting, performance management, employee status changes, even locally compliant contract generation, and and so much more. And in this report, we got employee sentiment regarding working in global remote teams in light of COVID-19's incredible impact on the shift from in-person to remote work. We then basically analyzed how these factors affect employees' perception of their company, leadership, leadership their engagement levels, and even their overall job satisfaction. I Bet you can't wait to hear the findings. I know it was fascinating to me. So I won't keep you in suspense. Essentially, successful companies should view creating a dynamic remote culture as a strategic business differentiator. Leadership's ability to create a successful remote culture has a substantial impact on employees' long-term retention intent. And in the remote work world of tomorrow, employee mobility and the globalization of remote teams will significantly impact not only workforce planning, but talent management. And we'll talk about all of this and looking forward to chatting with you and the other guests.
0: Yeah, well, we'll, we'll dig you know, a lot deeper into a number of those areas and, and we're going to work our way through the report. But let's, um, let's bring our other two guests into the discussion. So Kat, let's come to you. Tell us a little bit about THG and what the working environment is like there at the moment.
2: So THG, we're an international e-commerce and technology business. We operate in around 169 countries and use 47 languages. So we are very much an internationally focused business. Our better known brands are the likes of Look Fantastic and My Protein, but we also have THG Ingenuity, which is our technology arm. So we're a really really diverse business. Pre-pandemic, as a business, we were very much an office-based company. Working from home was a rarity for you know, occasions such as sofa deliveries, car going into the garage or, or, you know, childcare disasters. But as soon as we realised what was going to happen in March, obviously we we switched to complete remote working. And in each country, you know, we followed the country guidelines. So that meant in the UK particularly, we've been working from home predominantly for the past 18 plus months. We started to make a return to the office last summer, but when it hit autumn, we, we again returned to working from home. And where we are at the moment is that as a business, we are in the office at full capacity. That's followed on from a month of being at 50% capacity. However, we have also implemented an agile working policy, which means that all staff in our head office can work from home two days a week. The reason we've done that is obviously all staff have, have proved how successful and how well working from home works. So we want to give people all of the benefits and the flexibilities of that. Whilst also making sure that we still retain all of the fantastic work that people do in in the office, so for us that felt like the um, the best way. But obviously, we're, we're going to go a bit more into the, the pros and cons later on as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'll would, I would pick up on the agile working part in in, in a second. But Kara, let's let's bring you into this as well. What what's things like Otto Bock at the moment, and do you want to just give yourselves a, an intro as well?
3: Yeah, thank you for the invitation to this podcast. Uh, very interesting topic to me. Yeah, I'm working for the Bock, and this is maybe a name not everybody from you knows. So we are uh, working uh, in the med tech industry. So we are producing prosthesis, orthoses, and wheelchairs, for example, and services. So we have people all over the world in over 50 countries worldwide. So a quite diverse workforce. Our purpose, we helped people to maintain or regain the freedom of movement. And this is a quite good purpose. So I'm really proud to work in this company. And yeah, during the, the pandemic, we, as, as Kat already said, uh, we did a lot of experiences in remote working. We are still in different working models. So as you might imagine, so we have patient care centers where we care for people, for, for patients. We have a production where we are on-site working in the, in the manufacturing. And we have, of course, administration parts, people in the offices um, at the moment. Most of them uh, still are yeah, working remotely. And in the other areas, of course, they need to be on-site um, with different working models, different safety re- requirements.
0: Well, let, let's come back to this this uh, area of agile working then. Let, let's kick off you know, working our way through the report and, and starting there. Emily, do you think this is something that is here to stay now? The short answer is absolutely, yes.
1: The global pandemic has shown an absolute spotlight on gaps in our societal systems, but it has also had an incredible impact and opened a window on on the opportunity for a more connected global community, which is going to have tremendous downstream impact on talent management and workforce management. So Fundamentally, the short answer is yes. Nearly two thirds of the respondent in our survey said their companies will make remote work a permanent fixture following the pandemic based on what they understand of the situation at this date. So that's quite significant. One impact that we're also seeing that this is going to have is on mobility, employee mobility. All, about 22% of employees have said they've already relocated. Now, that's been locally relocation but 17% of employees have said they plan to relocate internationally. In the age of agile working, international employee mobility is a crucial reality that employers should be prepared for or risk losing approximately 17% of their
0: workforce. Kat what's your uh, your thoughts?
2: Again, you know, absolutely agile flexible working has got to be something that that is going to stay. It's part of the reason that that we created a more agile working culture at THG, because if we didn't, we wouldn't be able to retain our our, our best staff and we won't be able to attract the top talent either, because if we don't offer it, there are so many other businesses that, that do offer that kind of working culture. From our side, you know, we are trying to adapt some of the things that, that we've learned and, and that have worked really well over the past 18 months into the new kind of start to return to the office so for example you know onboarding of new starters at the moment is still being done completely remotely because over the past year and a half we we feel that we've really worked on that process we've got it down so that it it, it works really well so for the moment we're going to still be be onboarding new starters remotely because it's something that that we have helps the, the, the smoothness of that process when you start us coming into THG, but also how well people have worked from home. In some areas where there are real skill shortages, where perhaps, you know, in, in the northwest we're not able to find that skill readily available. We are looking at, can we offer perhaps slightly different working patterns for other people? So is that skill perhaps in London? And could we have that hire based in London permanently, therefore, you know, working from home completely or, or, or with less time in the office than the three days and that's something that we're kind of assessing on a case-by-case basis if, if the needs there so i think agile working make, makes the world smaller in some ways and and means that it is more collaborative on a worldwide scale
0: Carry, what's been um the feedback from your colleagues and, and employees across the company
3: Yes, I absolutely agree with Emily and Kat. So I'm absolutely convinced that uh, remote work, I think remote work is um, uh, hybrid work in the future, will stay because we have so much experience mastered a lot of challenges within the last 18 months. And uh, this is a, a good benefit we have. And we see that we have a lot of different demands in our company, different people working in different areas, functions in different regions. And they have totally different requirements to their jobs. So some of them, of course, will work in the, the office, in the patient care centers. They will not be at home at the whole time, but we want to offer to the people flexibility and flexibility, meaning in the working area, work, working place. Um, where, where are you working at best? And of course, in um, flexible times, yeah, to, to organize private things or care for people, care for elderly people or the children. And this is what the people, learn from the last years, and they really want to have that in the future. And not only the people in the company, of course, the talents abroad also asking for, for that kind of uh, flexibility in the company. And of course, some kind of requirements we will have in the offices. We will need, need different areas like silent work areas, collaboration areas, or diverse rooms for workshops, etc. So there, there are still new demands coming to, to us as a company, and we need to deal with them.
0: Emily, just on this on this whole area of of remote working, what what challenges, you know, specific challenges were were highlighted um, in the research? I was wondering if you can go into a little bit more detail on some of those.
1: Yeah, you know, and and even before I touch on that, Kat had mentioned such a good point about the world getting smaller, and what we have found is that the challenges that exist are resonant of the fact that it has gotten smaller in some ways, but it's just as big and complex as it always was. And that's what's really impacted the ability to be remote. So the biggest challenge was time zones. And that really was at 26% has been the biggest challenge people are facing as they they grow this international um, workforce. The second biggest challenge was process speed at 23%. And this is interesting because the third biggest challenge At 22% was finding effective communication methods. Now that in itself might not be all that interesting, but what's interesting about it is that only two years ago when we did the survey, 36% said this was the biggest challenge. So humans are so adaptive, aren't we? We really are. We're adapting to this. We've we've improved the situation by what is that 14%, but it's still a challenge that companies are increasingly having. So there's still a way to go with effective communication. I think the other challenge that companies are having in, and we're seeing is as companies become more international, and we talked about the employee mobility, is how complex it is to do so. The constraints are still there, setting up a legal entity, setting up a payroll, ensuring compliance with local international um, laws and tax laws. All of that still exists and can be very onerous, which just as a little aside is where an employer of record really comes into play, makes that much more streamlined, much more simply obtained to have an international workforce. You still have these challenges, time zones, number one challenge.
0: Well, just, just picking up on that bit about communication methods, and obviously you're saying that that's you know dropped over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a reflection of the wider adoption of, of collaboration tools?
1: Absolutely, finding the right tools, and and they're coming out now in such a, such a number, right? So companies are really adapting again to finding the right tools and finding tools. Now there's a risk. So 38% of respondents said that they have tools that contribute positively to their jobs, but I've also been hearing, even in our own world here at Globalization Partners, that there's that risk of over tooling, right? Of, of tool fatigue. So, what's really important is selecting quality agile tools. Not necessarily more is better in this regard.
0: Kat, you um, you gave a kind of wry smile on the on the tool fatigue um, comment there. In terms of collaboration tools, what what's the situation at, at THG?
2: Yeah, I think um, I think everyone's had uh, Zoom fatigue or, or Teams fatigue, haven't they, over the past eighteen months? I think it's something that uh, that we everyone has to be mindful of in work life as much as as much as personal life. We'd only installed Teams to our business in, in the months before March of last year, so it was relatively new to us as a business, and and obviously now it is something that every single person uses multiple times a day. And I think you know, as an example, all of our learning and development sessions that we run with our in-house team, they were always done face to face. We've now shifted those to being done completely remotely. But actually that's meant that we've been able to include people on those calls who are part of the team, but perhaps in a different location or or even in a different country. And to Emily's point around time zones, you know, we've had to look at, therefore, how do we adjust the the time of those meetings? Do we need to make it earlier or later in the day so that as many people can join as possible? But actually by opening up those sessions to the whole of the team and not having to run them multiple times at, at, you know, in different locations, but being able to just run one session where everyone can join. It, it's a great way to bring teams together and to have that collaboration in team meetings as well as in, as in training sessions and to bring people together to um, kind of open up together.
3: Yeah, so it was uh, a quite interesting uh, things what you've said. So in our company, we were kind of pushed into the new collaboration area, I would say that like this, because before we don't have such as MS teams or things like that. Of course, we worked with WebEx and some tools like that, but we were not familiar with those new tools. And of course, people were overwhelmed by the full tool functionalities and how to, to deal with it. And we supported our colleagues and workforce by giving them trainings and how to do it, how to use it and how to come together as a team, for example, that they are yeah able to use it in an appropriate way. But of course, I think some people were kind of lost at the beginning, Um, how to use it, how to connect with people, how to feel the informal way, how to connect to each other. And this was kind of a challenge for all of us. And that's why we offered some some guidelines for the leaders, for example, how to come together in an informal way or for teams, how to have fun in teams, not only having meetings with content and, and project management, also talking about private things, because all the chats in between in the on the coffee machine and in the kitchens were were gone and a lot of people were um, very irritated at the beginning but now we are familiar and um, getting more and more familiar with those tools and we of course develop ourselves um, step by step by using it in a very good way to be more effectively in team collaboration.
0: What about the culture within the business though because obviously with all these collaboration tools that that's great but it's quite hard to build that culture, particularly with new starters, I would have thought. Yeah.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So when you when we talk about culture, we talk about the communication itself. So culture is communication and how we interact with each other, how how we talk, how we Encounter each other on on the on the floor or whatever, and then this was lost. And a lot of people told us um, we get rid of it. We, we 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 suffer in that remote time in terms of culture, and therefore we try to establish uh, some ideas, inspirations for our teams and leaders how to come together as an informal team, having a a coffee chat, a beer evening or whatever is is appropriate to the team and to get um, together on a more personal way. And, of course, when we talk about new employees uh, coming to the company, it's more important to bring them into the team, into the culture, into the the daily routines. And and this is quite a challenge um, for leaders, but I think we we, um, did it very good uh, last year.
0: Kat, you you mentioned just before that um, the onboarding has been done remotely. So how much of a challenge has been introducing the culture to to your new starters over the last 12, 18 months?
2: Yeah, there are definitely challenges. I think, um, to Caroline's point, it's the talks over the coffee machine or the the walks between meetings that that people don't have when they're at home. And for new starters, those opportunities to make connections with different people and to, to get to know their colleagues not on a work level are really important and it's how we how we can create those opportunities most of our new starters up until you know the most recent weeks they have never been into a a thg office and culturally they've probably felt very distant for who we are as a business and their part in how we get to where we want to be and, and kind of our goals as a business so there's only so much that having meetings online can bring and they certainly can't replicate for absolutely every single face-to-face meeting. There's got to be a, a combination of them both.
0: Emily, your, your thoughts here?
1: So the good news is that the work that Kat, that Caroline, that others have done in each of their own companies has really worked because 48% of employees actually feel happier about work since moving to a remote work environment. And this really says something since... Let's face it, what's going on in the world with the pandemic doesn't inspire improved happiness. So there's really something to say when you see this kind of an improvement in a number. One of the things that our survey and our own experience as a company has shown is that culture, intentional culture development and creating that contact and that connectivity is critical to creating a business differentiator when it comes to your employee engagement. This is not a revolutionary thought. You know, there's been a lot for years about culture, but intentionally building your remote culture is not just a nice to have, but it's really a strategic imperative at
0: this time. Caro, you mentioned before about, you know, working with your leaders within the business with some of the issues, obviously, in terms of the remote working, the agile, agile working. How How much of a challenge has it been for them over this period?
3: Our leaders I did a good job, I would say it like this, because at the beginning, they had to deal with all the challenges in the different areas. I said, in the patient care centers, they were closed in other regions. The people went home from one day to another and organizing all the technical stuff if, if a, a team did not do remotely work um before the pandemic and so they organized a lot at the beginning and then they realized okay it's not enough to organize things around people and have technical workplaces um, prepared it's more than than this and i think this is one of the big benefits here what we see out of the pandemic is how important a human-centered leadership is because those leaders who said I come together with my team in an online meeting I organize informal meetings I have my ear on on my people so to say are quite successful and this is um, I think a, a mindset shift a kind of shift in the, in the in the company and also in the world that we see how important is the human centered approach in in leadership itself yeah and they had to learn a lot, I think. They had to learn to get familiar with those tools. They had to learn how to lead remotely. They had to learn how to solve conflicts uh, remotely or, of course, even see that there are different demands, that people have totally different demands in the company. And this is not one-fits-all. And I think this was a big, big challenge for our company as well as for the leaders worldwide. But this is not ending at the moment, so we still need to develop and improve and,
1: and upskill and support our leaders in terms of remote leadership. I love that human centered leadership and and it's so true. I mean the fact of the matter is that leaders have had a ginormous challenge placed in front of them, right? And employee perception of leadership was really spotlighted as a critical factor in terms of employee experience and employee engagement. So one of the things I think about is the three leadership T's. Trust transparency and teamwork. And we really saw this in our survey, but I also see it on a daily basis in, in leading you know, the HR organization for a growing business globally. There are numerous ways that leaders can achieve these three Ts or this human centric leadership approach. And we see it when we have meeting grind, right? So aligning on meeting etiquette, really intentionally working through what do meetings look like should should we have a day where there's no internal standing meetings because meeting overload is real zoom zoom exhaustion is real right building intentional and meaningful feedback into the culture and educating people on how to give feedback remotely and how to receive it and building into the work cadence opportunities for community connection. And you heard both both Kat and Caroline talk about how critical this was to the success of their organizations. And we, we see it absolutely in the survey. Emily, may,
3: may I add something in that point? Because you said the T is the transparency. And I think one success um, factor was also in our company, a good crisis management. They were really transparent from the beginning. And that's, of course, orientation was, was, was key. And the, our leaders and people were able to deal with that. And it's it refers to your T, transparency is quite important.
0: Emily, did you, did you have any stats from the survey that showed how employees viewed the leadership you know, of the organizations over the last year?
1: Yeah, absolutely. forty seven percent of respondents reported their perception of their company leaders either stayed the same or worsened since the outset of the pandemic. But what's really interesting, aside from the statistic, is that the way that leadership managed the crisis directly correlates with employee loyalty and with potentially with their ongoing retention. forty three percent of employees that reported an improved perception, of the company leaders, said they would likely stay with the company for at least three more years. So there, this, this correlation is really fascinating. The better leaders did, the longer people will likely intend to stay with an organization.
0: There's something that this leads on to that I, I want to get your opinions on. And, and this it's this area of work-life balance, you know, since working remotely, because what, one of the things that I hear a lot of is that actually people working from home are actually doing more work because they're starting earlier they're finishing later because they you know they don't have their commute and, and in fact the lines between work and personal time are, are really blurred on a previous episode of our c-suite podcast one of our guests referred to the fact that you're actually not working from home you're living at work emily what, what, what's your what's your thoughts on that
1: yeah that that's really fabulous i love that not working at home living from work i would save in rent the truth is half the respondents said a good balanced work-life balance was the top factor that contributed to a positive employee experience. With uh, remote work, as you yourself mentioned, the work zone and personal zone have merged, the boundaries have blurred, and arguably it is now part of our responsibility as a company to really help employees set their own boundaries and determine what is right for them so that they can be their best, most successful selves in all aspects of their lives. What we most ostensibly care about is productivity, but productivity wanes significantly when people are falling short in their holistic life.
0: Okay. Is this something that, that you guys are looking at? Yes. And I think this was definitely one of the bigger downsides from what
2: people have said about working from home is, is that work-life balance We did a a well-being project at the end of last year where we reached out to all staff who were working from home and just, you know, touch base with them. And the majority of people's feedback was that they were struggling to switch off. The the laptop was always there. There wasn't the differentiation of I need to leave at a certain time to commute home to prioritise workload and the lines are blurred between work life and personal life and that's that has its advantages of course you can get that that balance in some respects you can put a load of washing on whilst you're you're kind of making a cup of tea but there's there's the flip side where equally um, the lines are blurred and that switch off time is, is harder to achieve our health and safety manager gives a piece of advice which i think is is one of my favorite pieces of advice to kind of try and get that balance and what she advocates to people is, is to physically leave the house and go for a walk even if it's just around the block before work so that when you come back, you, you are at work and to, to get that different differentiation. And I think from, from speaking to different people around the business, you know, different things work for different people. But to Emily's point, it's about ensuring that we equip our staff to optimise every part, part of their life, work as well as home and to get that balance. But with people working from home, that is harder to do and we as a business... And, and every business needs to make sure that they are giving staff that opportunity.
0: That's a really interesting idea, but you've got to be pretty disciplined to do that, haven't you? Because it's so easy and so tempting to just, you come down, you know, make a cup of tea and you're straight, you know, open up the laptop. In. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Not
2: I, good if it's raining or bad weather. It's no. probably fair weather, fair weather only. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Caro, thoughts on this? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with
3: with the statement that people work more than less uh, in remote times. At the beginning, I think it was a really we struggled with that, and also myself, I had to structure myself in a totally pretty new way. But uh, what we what we've done at um, at Autobock, we started last year together with our executive board a kind of initiative and um, discussed, okay, how does the future look like, and how does the work environment or workplace look like in the future and what should we do what we should develop so what we've also done in this um, initiative we talked about deep work so deep work is a concept developed by carl newport and he offers some thoughts and models to uh, rethink the own structure of the day to get more to increase more focus time to get less disrupted over the time and this was what we've observed in the last one and a half year that people were sitting in front of of the PC the whole day, having no breaks in between. So being in, in meetings back to back, as we say, yeah, from the morning until the evening, and have no focus time and have no time to recovering. And this is a concept we are now yeah, getting familiar with and try to find out what can we implement in our company, what kind of impulses can we offer that people and employees get more aware of their own healthy status because this is this is all about being healthy being engaged being motivated and if you work of course the whole day from morning until the afternoon or in the evening yeah not good of course and this is our aim to to support our leaders and employees by giving such impulses with deep work.
0: Carol, let, let's let's stick with you for, for my final question then so taking everything into account that, that we've discussed what would you say Companies need to be looking to do in terms of their working environment moving forward. Then,
3: yeah, I would say, um, of course, uh, flexible time work and workplaces will, will stay. So I think it's a good idea as a company to establish those frameworks for new employees, for employees in the company, and uh, upskilling people, skilling uh, upskilling people in order to uh, find good ways to work remotely, to work asynchron, synchron, and these are new new tasks and new ways of working and i think this is a yeah a big task for all the companies to upskill their workforce. Okay.
2: I think everyone needs to find the balance, you know, as much as new staff need to be around colleagues and feel part of the business, there are benefits to remote working as well that that everyone can benefit from by having more contact with with more people on a you know on a worldwide basis across across any business. So I think each company needs to find that balance that works for them and to make it part of their culture because it is, it's something that's going to be here to stay and something that we all need to adapt to. Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, Final thoughts from you, Emily. So first um, I do have a couple Um, first
1: employees are more likely to stay at a company where remote work is supported. I, I think that's a, that's a big statement but I think it's going to be a truism. Second, intentionally creating a dynamic remote culture. So not just letting it happen, but really being intentional about it will be a strategic differentiator for companies. It will make a difference in terms of engagement, productivity, retention, attraction of talent. And another thing that I, I didn't get into too much, but if you if you go on and look at our survey, you can see it. One of the key attributes of a remote working culture is team diversity. of our survey respondents saw team diversity as not just nice to have, but an actual benefit of working at a company. I would like to just quote our CEO, Nicole Sahin. She said, global teams will continue to grow in diversity as remote working culture embeds itself in the majority of businesses long-term. To succeed in a jobs environment without frontiers and where skilled employees will have greater choice than ever, employers will need to build their global reach processes and capabilities it is vital to identify the best talent wherever it can be found and those companies who can build successful international teams will be ideally placed to succeed in the post-pandemic economy
0: very nice um emily you uh you referred to the survey um just before if people want to go and, and read it so where's the best place for them to download a copy of the report
1: so without reading the entire URL, which is a bit of a mouthful, I will tell you the best way to do it is to go on to Globalization Partners website, which is www.globalization-partners.com blog. So that's globalization-partners.com blog, and you can find the survey right there.
0: Excellent. Well, honestly, a huge thank you to all my guests for joining me online today. So Caroline Goble, Catherine Allwood, and of course, Emily Boynton. As Emily just mentioned there, you can download the 2021 Global Employee Survey Report from globalization-partners.com. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your comments on today's chat. You can share them on our Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter feeds, or in the comments of the YouTube version of this podcast. Those are all linked from the top of the website at csuitepodcast.com, where you'll also find all our previous shows and supporting show notes, plus links to where you can follow us for automatic downloads of each episode via the likes of Spotify and Apple. And if you've liked what you've heard, please do give us a positive rating and review. We're, of course, available on all podcast apps. Just search for the C-Suite podcast and hit follow or subscribe. Finally, you can also reach me via the likes of Twitter using at Ross Goldsmith, or you can find me on LinkedIn. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye.